Y'all have a blessed day. I love y'all. See ya. Grab a mitten on your way out. Or or two. Um, that was awesome. So, the, um, last week we, we talked about, we opened the series up with, with a promise that was made thousands of years ago, it came in existence, uh, thousand years, a little over a thousand years after the promise was made from to King David. And one of the things that's interesting in this is, is uh, I was thinking about just this promise that God makes to us as his children and how faithful he is in all things and how he shows up in all things. And, and so it's, it's amazing to me to think, or it's humbling for me to think that there's things that he's spoken into our lives that sometimes we just make complicated. And sometimes we overthink them and we over we overanalyze them and we, we kind of put our spin on things. And I was hit with something this week that was very interesting. Um, and, it, and it came down to this piece of, you know, a while back we did that thing where I had you guys write on a card and you had to write one word to remind you. Well, mine's still up. And so it, it says trust and I noticed that my, one of my, I've got to assume it's my daughter because no one else could reach that high um, and writes that way or scratches that way. But it was interesting because in, a, in it, she just simply put, she wrote God underneath trust. And one, I'm like, why are you messing with my card? Um, but I, it was awesome because even as she looks at it, because she's, she goes into our room to brush her teeth and get ready and everything. But I love it because she can look at it. And, that, and that's the piece that, that's so interesting. As we make things complicated, maybe we just need to get back to just trusting him. And maybe when things aren't going so well in our lives, it's because we're not trusting him the way he's asked us to trust him. And so we get to this point in, in the story of Jesus today. Um, and, and the story today we're going to look at is a familiar story you probably are all familiar with. I'm going to take two of them. I'm going to take the story of Joseph. And the story of Mary, and I want us to look at it in a a fresh way. For me, as I studied and as as I prepared, that's the piece I wanted to see was God reveal something to me that was fresh, that was new, that could help me understand how to get back to simple. And so the piece that, that we look at is last week we talked about how God looked at David's heart, and it was because of David's heart. Uh, that that he used him greatly in bringing about the Messiah, bringing about Jesus, and and and, and to be the salvation, um, the one that saves us and reconciles us to God. And today we look at who God called to um, influence Jesus, probably the most here on earth. Because if you think about it as parents, if you have kids or uh, you're blessed to have kids in in the, this particular realm. The, the parent relationship with their children is very powerful. And the influence that we have over our kids is amazing, whether it be negative or positive. And I think we can all go back and say, well, I've had both negative and positive influences or experiences with my parents. But overall, there's an influence that our parents have over us and that we have over our children that is, is quite substantial and that we can't get away from. And so I was looking at this story and I started thinking, how did God come about choosing the people that he was going to have as an earthly influence on his son, Jesus, here on earth? 
And like, why did he choose these particular people? And what was what was so interesting about or special about these two individuals that he said, you know what? These are the ones that are going to hold with live hands my son as he's born into the world. These are the ones that are going to feed him. These are the ones that are going to teach him how to work with his hands and how to make furniture. Like these are the ones that are going to invite them into their daily lives and instruct them on how to make a living. These are the ones that are going to influence them probably the most. And so I started thinking about this in my own life. And what's interesting about this is um, I had to start looking at the people that influence me and the people that's, that have an impact on my life. And then I started looking at this church family and just going like down a list of how each of you have influenced my life and how powerful our influence is. Like we can't, like we can't lose sight of that. Like God's called us to have an influence on this world and God's called us to have an influence on the people right around us, but even more so in, in the world that we live in because we spend a lot of time in it. And so what does that look like in this season and how do we keep it simple? And one of the ways that I, I'm, I just want to thank you as a church that has been huge is because, because you guys are so generous. Because of your generosity, we're able to be generous as a church. We are. And so last weekend, we teamed up with Bigby again, and over 500 cups of coffee and tea were given to our community. No strings attached, nothing to say, anything other than, hey, there's a church over here that wants to buy you a cup of coffee. And, and see, the reason why we can do that is because you're generous, but because of your generosity, we as a church can have an influence. Because you step up and, and, and say, I'm going to give and I'm going to respond in obedience. We as a church can do that. And today we get to see a story of two individuals who um, God called and how they wrestled. I don't think we can understand it. You know, we read the story, but we've got to think of the emotions behind what was going on and the wrestle that took place. And how they had an encounter with their faith like most of us or all of us have, but then their response and obedience, just like our own life and our own story and the influence that they had. So Matthew 1, 18 to 25, we're going to read uh, two different passages, so I just ask that you all bear with me as we read through this. But Matthew 1, 18 to 25 reads this. And if you haven't read the story, I'm going to encourage you to go to Matthew 1, and I want you to go back in this week and just read the account of G of Joseph's lineage and how it starts and then how it, it, it the, the line that comes and and you'll see that Joseph's lineage comes from not only David but Solomon and so through that lineage you get you get Joseph and then in Luke when you go and you read the lineage of what they say is Mary's lineage you get you get from David not only his marriage to Bathsheba, but their son Nathan that comes this lineage of Mary. But when you look in Luke, and this is just a side note I want you guys to understand. For those of you that struggle with whether Adam and Eve truly existed or whether it's a story, in Luke you find a, a, the truth of what it is. That particular lineage passage goes all the way back to Adam goes all the way back to Adam. 
So for sometimes with a lot of people say, well, that's just a story or I don't know, you know, that, that's just how it was written, whatever. In Luke, you see the lineage all the way from Adam all the way down to Mary. And you can't miss that. There's a piece there that God's given us to say, you can trust my word completely. And so as we get into this, so go and read it in both Matthew and Luke. Just read the lineage when you get a chance to see how this, these two lines come together from one man, David, all the way down back again into the, to um, Mary and Joseph, the ones that God called to influence his son here on earth um, as, as parents. And we read this starting 18 of Matthew 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her, sh her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of man, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Before, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And that's the encounter that Joseph had in a dream about Jesus and about his future and about the life that, was to, that he was to have. Luke 1, 26 to 38 reads this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph and of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. There's the promise being fulfilled. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and, all of, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age will, will, has also conceived a son. And this, is, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then 37, he says this, For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, well, one thing, the first thing I want us to get out of this passage today, out of these two stories, 
is that there's two things about both Mary and Joseph that, that I want you to understand is one is that they were chosen by God for something. They were chosen by God to accomplish something God had called them to do, to accomplish something that God wanted done in this world. And in the same light that he calls Mary and Joseph to this particular piece, and he chose them for this particular uh, task, for this particular piece, as, as children of God, as followers of Jesus, as those that belong to Jesus, there is a piece that he has chosen us for. There is a thing that he wants for our lives that he has specifically put this story in our lives to say, this is what I want for you and I am choosing you for this particular piece. See, God has a story that he wants written and he started the story from the very beginning and he's continued to write the story all the way from, from the Israelites claiming the promised land to, to so much that goes on in between that to the entrance of his son who brings about salvation and that that is the that brings in the reconciliation to the father but see the story's not done just when jesus ended it came back to life the story continues with us the story continues with our lives and that's the piece that he has chosen for us to be a part of his story there's passage after passage in the Old Testament, and there's or not in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, where Paul writes over and over again that he's going to use the Gentiles to under, to help his children understand how faithful God is and who God is. That's why that's why salvation came to us Gentiles, to those that are not Jews, because he wanted to reveal who he was to his own chosen people. And in this piece, we have to understand that our story doesn't end. Our story continues. The influence that we have continues to go on generation after generation. And it doesn't just stop with us. And so that's the question I look as I sit there and watch Mary and Joseph, uh, parents of Jesus, that their influence started on this child that they were chosen by God to do and how it relates to me as a dad, as a pastor, and as a friend. That the influence that God has called me to doesn't just end at a certain point, but it continues day after day. See, we are chosen by God for something. The question is, is how will we respond? In Matthew 1.18, it reads this, and, and here's how it looks. Matthew 1.18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. God knew who Mary was, was going to marry. God knew it. They had already been betrothed before, before she, she had conceived a child. God had this in place. He had a plan for Joseph. He had something he wanted. To, he, there's a reason why Joseph was chosen, but he was chosen. Luke 1, 26 to 28. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. I'm learning more and more that when God chooses you, when God chooses you, he is faithful to sustain you. Like when God's hand is on you, he doesn't let you down. 
if you don't if you don't believe me here, here I'll give you a little things that are going on in the Middle East right now a few weeks ago when we were over there um, three Islamic jihadist leaders were taken out in Gaza and Syria in response they, they launched over 400 uh, missiles at Israel you want to know how many actually got through 10% you want to know how many killed Is- how many of those missiles killed Israelis you know how many of them killed Israeli defense forces? When God's hand is on his people, he doesn't let them down. Everybody gets upset, and everybody's upset about this piece, but the thing we have to understand is when God's hand is, is on his people, he holds them. And here's what I want us to understand as his children. There may be turmoil going on in our lives, And there may be things that are taking place in our lives and we may feel under attack or we may feel like God doesn't love us or we may feel like he's let us down. But I I need to share this. When he chooses you, he doesn't drop you. He walks with you. Here's the story that, that we need to understand about this particular passage. He chose Joseph and Mary to be the father and mother of his son, Jesus the earthly father and mother of his son, Jesus. And see, we read through it and we're like, oh, cool. They, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll do this, right? You know, no big deal. Can you imagine the internal turmoil they were going through? What, you want me to do what? You want me to still marry this woman that cheated on me? Wait, she's carrying somebody else's baby and you, what? I'm sorry. Like, let's let re- reality here. Wait, did you in the drink? Did you not know she's pregnant? Obviously, she's not as pure as what you think she is. And so there's this internal struggle that goes on. Not only that, this is, let's just take that particular piece aside. Wait a minute. You want me to be the earthly father to your son? Um, do you know how messed up I am? Do you know my faults? Do you know that every time I hit my hand with a, a, a thumb with a hammer, I may say something bad? Or I mess up a piece of furniture, I start getting a little upset. You want me to do what? And yet God chose him. And in this wrestle, you could see that his heart was bent towards following God. Let's take Mary's side. Because let's just be honest here. They weren't married yet. They were betrothed. They were going to get married. And she's being told that I'm that she is going to get pregnant. And she's going to conceive a baby that is the future Messiah that is God's own son that is God and man, and I'm going to, she's going to give birth to this child, do you not know that if my future husband finds out about this, what will he do? How will he respond? See, the same questions, the same things we wrestle with, you've got to think they are going through. And I, and I, I get the story and how it re- re- writes and, and how it reads, 
But there's got to be some type of internal struggle that takes place because it just doesn't happen at the moment where she's like, oh, yeah, well, let it be done. There's got to be some type of peace after that where she's waiting because think about this. After she's told this, she's still got to encounter Joseph. She doesn't know how Joseph's going to respond. He walks to the door. Who's to say he he doesn't lose his crud over it? Like all these earthly, all these emotions that God, you got to understand that this is what, this is the struggle. In the same light, when God's chosen us to step out and follow him, God's chosen us to be, to be an influence. God's chosen us to something more. God's asking us to step out in faith. God's asking us to trust him. The same emotions we go through that we're contemplating, that we're wrestling through, we've got to understand that Mary and Joseph went through the same thing, and God still chose them, and God still held them, and God still walked with them, and God never let them down. That same God is our God. And He's the one that lets us wrestle, and He's the one that lets us ask questions, and He's the one that lets us come to these pivotal faith moments, these moments in our life, these moments in our faith journey where we get to, where we get to decide whether to follow or whether to pull back, whether to trust or whether to not to trust, whether to say, you know what, whatever it is, God, I'm going to walk it out, and I'm going to let you hold me, and I'm going to let you fulfill what you want to do, and all I'm going to do is be obedient. In the same peace, this is what they went through. The same thing we deal with day and day out. These pivotal faith moments of our life. And in this we see Matthew 1, 19 to 20. And here's this piece where Joseph, you see his pivotal faith moment. Matthew 1, 19 to 20 says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. By the way, it was Joseph's every right to have her stoned. It was his every right to have her killed. To put out. And at the very least, to kick her out and make her figure out what to do on her own. And yet, he didn't. He, he was going to. He was going to fulfill that piece, that, that, that struggle, that piece of, you know what? If she cheated on me, I don't think I want to do with her. If she's carrying someone else's baby, I'm, no, thank you. He was ready to do it. He was there at that moment. And yet God showed up. It goes on and says, but as he considered these things, notice it says as he considered these things, as he wrestled with these things, as he tried to figure out what to do, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You ever notice that right at at just the right time, when we're wrestling with our faith, God shows up? Not our timing, at his timing. When we're in those moments of these pivotal faith moments, when we're trying to figure out what's the next thing to do, we've got to learn to trust God that he's going to show up at just the right time. And in this piece, when Joseph was wrestling, and he had already decided, I'm going to do this, and divorce her quietly. In this wrestle, in this struggle, in this particular moment of history, God showed up and said, no, you don't get it, Joseph. I've got a bigger plan for you, and I need you to trust me. And 
we see Mary in Luke 1, 34 to 35. It says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Or still, her question of how can this be? How can this ever work out? How, how in the world is this possible? This goes against everything I've learned and everything I've been told. How in the world can a virgin conceive a child? And we come to these pivotal faith moments in our life where we're like, how in the world can he work this out? How can he do and accomplish what he wants to accomplish? How in the world does God work when he says, you know what? I died to set you free. And we ask this question, well, what do you mean you've died to set us free? Well, what is that? I don't understand that. I, I, you know what? I don't get it. So instead of living free, I'm going to live trapped. Instead of trusting you, I'm going to trust myself. Instead of doing what you've called me to do, I'm going to be selfish. Instead of, of wanting, uh, of desiring what you want, you know what? I'm going to desire what I want. And you come to this pivotal faith moment of our lives and in Mary's life, you see this particular piece where she starts questioning God. How can this be? And we all do that. We all wonder how it could work. The the story of Light Point Church is a story of how could this be? How in the world could this ever have taken place? And as I look at it, I see God show up over and over and over again. I so badly want to share a story that happened this week, but I'm going to save it. Maybe I'll come back next week. Luke 1, 34 to 35 says this. So, oh, he goes on, the Holy Spirit, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. See, in those pivotal faith moments, even when we're asking, even when when we don't understand it, we know that God still shows up. So here's the response. That both Mary and Joseph had significant responses at this time. Just like we have significant responses on what we want to do in our own pivotal faith moments. Just like we're given the opportunity to be obedient and trust. We're given the opportunity, the opportunity to have a significant response. And in this particular piece, we see that there is a very significant, deliberate response that we see in the story. Matthew 1, 24 to 25 reads this. When Joseph woke from sleep. What does it say? He, can y'all read it? Matthew 1, 24 to 25. When Joseph woke from his sleep, read that with me. He, back to 24. All I want you to do, if you got your Bible, circle he did. He did. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. 
even in his questioning, even in his wrestle, even in this pivotal faith moment where he had every reason to walk away, he didn't. He did. He did. He trusted. Church, we're, we're met with all kinds of stuff every day of our lives. We're met with whether our, these, these choices that we have, whether to follow, whether to fulfill what he's called. We, we, we are inundated with all kinds of complication. Our world likes to make things more and more complicated. One of my favorite things that I, I love, I was reminded of one day was... Um, have you ever noticed how people buy more and more things to make life simple? They buy more and they consume more and more to, to make life simple and to, to, to get more time in their day. Like I want you to think about this. Let's just take yard. I did yard work yesterday. There's a lot of leaves that needed raking. Um, and And... So one of the things that's interesting, I once heard someone say, well, you know what, I'm going to go and buy a bigger mower. That way I get bigger strips and I can get my grass cut faster, and then I can have more time. I'm going to go and buy a powered weed eater so that I can weed eat faster rather than plug the electric in and, and walk around so that I can get it done faster so I have more I'm going to go buy the blower that you don't have to think because I don't want to sweep, so I'm going to use the blower so I can save. Why are we stressed out? Why are, why are we overwhelmed? See, we, we, we're, we're, we do all these different things and we make all these decisions to save us time and, and to make more time and all these other things, but the reality of it is we make it more complicated. I had a buddy call me. I went and visited a buddy this week, and he goes, Chad, you got to check out this thing you plug into your garage door opener, and then you can open and close it. Some of you already have this. I'm just introduced to it. I'm behind the times. He goes, you can open your garage door and open when you don't even have to be there. In the back of my mind, I'm like, why in the crud do I want to do that if I'm not there? <laughs> but he goes, then he gives me a great reason why I need to do it. And so I'm like, I don't know if this is a great reason, but it's a reason. So before I know it, I'm like, and then, so here's a little 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 chad moment you ever pull down the street and you wonder oh crud did i just shut the garage door or did i not so then you get to the end of the street and you turn around to make sure that and every time the sucker's closed but you so then i'm like oh this will be great i can drive down the street at 5 30 in the morning and i don't have to turn around and i can actually look at my phone because it'll save me we make things complicated if I would slow down and just check before I pull out of the driveway, the garage door's closed and left. If I would just be mindful of what's going on in my own world. But in this particular piece, here's what's so interesting. We make things so complicated, and we do it to, in order to save time, in order to have more time, in order to, to, for whatever reason. And yet we make things so complicated when all God's asked us to do is simply be obedient and to do as he said. Will someone grab that door, please? Thank you. It's all good. So here, not only Joseph, but we see this in Mary too. Luke one thirty eight. it says this, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
Mary didn't know how Joseph was going to respond. She didn't know whether she was going to have a husband. She didn't know any of that particular piece. All she knew is that she was called to be the mother of Jesus. And all she said is, let it be. Sometimes all we have to do in our pivotal faith moments of life is to simply do and to simply say, let it be. And our obedience and our trust will see God show up in more ways than we've ever seen him before. And our significant responses of obedience and trust will see God move more than we've ever seen him before. So here's my question as we we close out today. Mary and Joseph, we see in this passage that um, they were chosen by God, that they came across a pivotal faith moment, and they had a significant response of obedience and trust. In our same lives, we have been chosen by God for something. We wrestle with significant pivotal uh, faith moments in our lives, and then we have significant uh, responses of obedience and trust that we must walk out. And so the question for us today is this. How will we respond in the light of what Jesus, uh, what we see in this passage of Jesus' parents being called and being asked to be father and mother to Jesus? What will we do? In this moment when we see that they were called and asked to influence the Son of God, in the same way we've been called to influence our world for Christ, to be a light in a dark and hurting world, to use our influence because we've been chosen by the Father to be a light for Him, for His glory and His glory alone. So the question I have is this. Who do I have influence with that I need to be a light with this week? Who do I have influence with that I need to be a light with this week? And whoever you just wrote down or whoever just popped in your mind or whoever just came to your mind, don't put it away. Don't sit there and wrestle with it. Don't try to talk it out of your mind. Whoever that person was, whoever just came to you right then in that moment, write it down, capture it, hold on to it. Because that's the very person that that God wants to reveal his son to in this week. And you're at a pivotal faith moment because some of you are like, well, Chad, um, I don't know how they're going to respond, and I don't know what they're going to do, and I don't know how the, you know, well, they'll trip. That, that pivotal faith moment of this is, it doesn't matter how they respond, and it doesn't matter what they do. What matters is, is your significant response of obedience and trust. That's all that matters. And remember that the same God that chose you holds you, and the same God that chose you loves you, and the same God that chose you is faithful. And all that matters is your response. And so who do we have influence with that we need to share about our Savior? Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that you're a God that loves us and never lets us down. You're a God that's faithful, that even in those pivotal faith moments and even those times where we wrestle and even those times, just like Mary and Joseph, are trying to figure, we're trying to figure out what it all meant and how it all worked and how it was all going to work together. That in those moments, Lord, you're not asking us to have it figured out. You're just simply asking us to, to trust. You're asking us to respond. You're asking us to believe. So, Lord, in our lives, may it be written that we just did. 
we just did as you commanded. Lord, help us to be a light in this dark world. In this time of celebrating your birth, the birth of your son, Jesus. Lord, help us to remove complication and just simply praise you, celebrate you, and to just do what you've called us to do. Refresh our memory of who we need to imprint. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. A couple ways to respond. Um, Joyce and Phil will be over to pray with you guys today. Um, so if you have anything you're dealing with, wrestling with, uh, maybe you're in a pivotal faith moment and you need some prayer. They'd love to pray with you. So they'll be over there. Our communion, those tables open. And just like we have switched to uh, um, matzo bread, and as you, if you were here a few weeks ago, um, and eventually I'll stop explaining this after a few weeks, but I just want you guys to understand the significance of it. You'll see the holes in the matzo bread, which represent how he was pierced for us, for our transgressions. You'll see the stripes, represents how he was, was um, the stripes that he took on for us. And then you'll see the edges of it, some of them are burnt. And you'll look at it and you'll see how he was beaten, how he was bruised for us. And in those particular pieces, as you pick up that bread to take that communion and remember what his body went through simply so that we can be reconciled to the Father and have a relationship with him, we don't take that lightly. And then you get to take the cup. And as you take the cup and as you drink it and as you remember the blood that was shed on that cross for our sins to cover us so that we could live free and so that we can experience what it means to have a obedient trust life and so you take the communion as you feel see as you as you see fit um if that's available lastly we'll stand and sing and uh what do you all have for us sweet all creation sing awesome so you guys can stand you respond how god leads and uh